0: we're recording. There we go. Thank you for letting me know. Um, okay. So this first part of class is we're going to look at uh, uh, one a video on ethics specific to group work. But I also wanted to guide you all to this in our classroom. It says ethical practice. And we basically have about five categories. So we have uh, these links will take you to the professional ethics for that particular um, um for that particular type. So if you're going to become a social worker, you'll want to look under social work, a clinical psychologist, you'd want to look under psychologist, professional counselor. Um, and then if you're if you're kind of doing the paraprofessional route in human services, um, where it's not a specific defined profession. You wanna look at ethics uh, for human services and social service providers. This is kind of the blanket one for people who maybe got their bachelor's in a social science. Um, They really want to work with people, but they didn't specialize in social work or psychology or counseling. So that's what this this, uh, ethics is for. And then of course, there's the code of ethics for addiction counselors. And of course, if you are interested in the area of addiction, Uh, You'll need to know this ethics code very well um, when you go for the licensure, or the um, registration. So keep those in mind. So those are there. Um, What I want to do to kind of warm us up to thinking about ethics is I want to do this short lecture uh, from an instructor um, on ethics and, and group work specifically. And then we'll go from there, okay?
1: So let me... whoops, I forgot to,
0: okay, here we go. All right, so let's play this. It's about 15 minutes long, and then we'll do a little bit of question and answer session and we'll go from there, okay, everyone?
2: Mm -hmm. Group leaders need to be receptive to self-examination and to questioning the professionalism of their group practice if they hope to become competent, ethical group practitioners. In addition to learning about ethical decision-making, there are three other experiences counselors need to train in as effective group facilitators. The first one is self-exploration and experiential groups. Group leaders need to demonstrate the willingness to do for themselves what they expect members in their groups to do. So expand their awareness of self and the effect of that self on others is crucial. Participating in a therapeutic group is very valuable. One of the best ways to learn how to assist group members in their struggles is to be a member of a group yourself have safeguards in place to manage boundaries and reduce the risk of harm. Supervision is critical for new facilitators to monitor any interns or students who exhibit any type of problematic behavior. The second one is personal psychotherapy. Sometimes issues that surface in a group experience are more appropriately explored in personal therapy. Therapy also enables us to understand both ourselves and others, which is essential for ethical practice. It enables us to identify and explore countertransference reactions. Explore countertransference reactions we may have towards certain group members, recognize our blind spots and biases and use our personal attributes effectively in our work as a group facilitator. Lastly, we have group supervision. Supervision is a key component in training group leaders. Good supervision can offer trainees many opportunities to learn about the process and development of a group. Students should ask themselves, What steps can you take to acquire competence as a group facilitator? Can you think of ways to minimize the potential risks of combining experiential and didactic methods? Does ethical practice demand that group leaders receive some personal therapy? An important part of training group leaders is promoting sensitivity and competence in addressing diversity in all forms of group work. To fail to address diversity issues that arise in a group is to fail the group members. The text introduces the idea of integrating social justice into your group practice. Social justice is the fair and equitable distribution of power, resources, and obligations in society to all people regardless of race, gender, ability, status, sexual orientation, and religious or spiritual background. The text recommends that some strategies for infusing social justice into group work include values clarification helping your group members understand what their values are. Empowerment of gender and ethnicity statuses. Consciousness raising self-disclosure social and gender role analysis structure to maximize group cohesion to review some ethical guidelines for acquiring diversity competence in group practice look in your chapter on page 438 and 439 it'll give you some great examples for that each group member should be presented with information about group treatment with an informed consent. This should include information such as topics pertaining to the nature of the group, therapist qualifications, techniques often used in the group, the rights and obligations of group members, and the risks and benefits of participating in the group. To review more about informed consent, go back to chapter 5 where we really talked about that And and it's explained quite thoroughly in in that chapter. Group leaders are faced with the difficult task of determining who should be a group member and who should not. Often it's easier to to determine who should be excluded from group than who should be included in the group. Your ACA 2014 code of ethics does address this issue. Counselors screen prospective group counseling therapy participants. To the extent possible counselors select members whose needs and goals are compatible with the goals of the group, who will not impede the group process and whose well-being will not be jeopardized by the group experience. Any of us that have had some experience working in groups can understand that not having appropriate group members can absolutely sabotage the entire group experience for everybody. Your text gives you some examples of maybe poor candidates for group. Brain damaged people, acutely paranoid individuals, antisocial personalities, and it also mentioned people who are actively using drugs and alcohol now research in the field of addictions indicates that groups are very effective with these clients unless they're under the influence or detoxing then they're probably not appropriate to be in the group at that time counselors should meet with clients prior to attending group and the reason for that is to respond to any questions or concerns they have any of you that have never um, participated in a group knows how frightening it is to think about even going into a group with other people there so answering any concerns or questions they have may help eliminate some of that anxiety explain the group process clarify on how members are expected to behave Things such as being there on time, not interrupting, no anger or threats, things like that. Explain expectations on what the group can accomplish. Clarify the goals and objectives. Explore the risks and values of group participation. Values and limitations of groups psychological risks and ways of minimizing these risks explore fears and resistance we know that sometimes participation in group is not always voluntary so obviously voluntary participation is an important beginning point for a successful group experience however when group attendance is mandatory Group leaders must be certain that they understand their rights and responsibilities. So the nature and goals of the group should be discussed. Your members have the right to decline certain activities. They need to understand the limits of confidentiality. The effect of their participation in the group will have on critical decisions about them outside the group. Procedures for leaving a group should be explained to all members during the initial session. In other words, you really do need to set up some group rules. Clients have a responsibility to the leader and to other members to explain why they want to leave maybe it was due to some feedback they received that was a misunderstanding it's important to the group to know what the person found uncomfortable or threatening about the group so what this is really saying is it's really critical that the client understands that if they don't want to be a member of that group anymore they really do have a responsibility to let the group understand why why they don't want to be there anymore why they're leaving The feedback could be very valuable. Group leaders have an ethical responsibility to take precautionary.
0: When we're doing group work, we have to add on this additional layer of making sure that one our participants belong in that group. So she started the video by talking about um, it is your responsibility to assure that. um, that that participant is proper for this group. Uh, she, she brought up a good point about antisocial personality disorder. Now, there are some treatment groups specifically for that, but anti de, uh, anti personal, antisocial personality disorder and people who have psychopathology, um, I think I mentioned this a, a couple weeks ago, uh, they, they tend to self-destruct the group setting for everyone. And, uh, and and there's some literature that talks about how group treatment and individual treatment actually makes a psychopath a better psychopath. Um, and this becomes a big issue, especially if you're working in the criminal justice center s- system. Uh, it becomes uh, incredibly um, difficult if you're working for uh, domestic abuser treatments. Um, I, I will tell you... Um, I facilitated a domestic violence uh, treatment group, and there was a psychopath in that group. Um, I will tell you that he he actually, after he left our group, he moved uh, to California, and uh, his wife, who was pregnant, was put in the bay. Um, and so, and he did it with no, no remorse whatsoever. But back to the group experience, uh, that gentleman, uh, totally destroyed the group. Um, I had a, a facilitator who's been facilitating those groups for years, and there were times she would leave the group crying. Okay, now this was back in the day when we didn't—we we were just trying to figure out what to do with psychopaths and antisocial personality disorder. And now it's pretty much a protocol that you have to really look at that when you're doing those type of offender groups. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, The issue of confidentiality, and and she mentioned this as well, the thing that I want you all to know is you are obligated to confidentiality. What she meant about confidentiality being uh, 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 not being present in the group setting is that group members are not necessarily tied to that confidentiality agreement that you make. So they can go talk about their experience and their experience with other group members. As much as they want. And so it's really important in the group setting, not just to have them passively sign a confidentiality agreement, but really to sit down with all of your group and talk about uh, the importance of keeping and trusting each other and trusting each other's stories. And only, you know, if they need to talk to family members only talk about their experience, but not the experience of the other group members. And um, it it also requires a facilitator to have those skills that we talked about last week to really um, gain trust of the group members and to help the group members learn how to trust each other. It's all starts with you. And and it was an important point uh, that that she made about uh, confidentiality. And again, you know, uh, our state of Arizona is like most states, the limitations are as if someone is in danger to themselves or to others, you can break confidentiality. If the individual is a minor, uh, you can break confidentiality, especially if um, uh, someone's making a threat towards a minor, um, that, that that takes it up another level um, than if they were just uh, threatening another adult for say, okay? Um, And those are important things to say in the group setting that we, you have confidentiality with me. You have to trust each other that you're going to have confidentiality with each other. And here is the limitations now. And it's important to state this, the limitations of confidentiality do not just stop with you. If you look at mandatory reporters, technically, if you look at Arizona state law, we are all mandatory reporters as long as we, uh, um, what what is the wording I'm trying to think of, as long as you're acting as a reasonable person, meaning you're not, um, you know, uh, on drugs or um, uh, under the influence of some cult or something like that, um, we all are basically uh, man- mandatory reporters, if you really read the fine print in the Arizona state law. Um And so, those are some important things to keep in mind um, as as you move forward with preparing for a group. You want to make these uh, confidentiality considerations. Um, And I will tell you uh, on the ethics end, this is why we spend a lot of time talking about things like self care, um, being a a lifelong learner. to know yourself. This is why a lot of master's program, your first client is you. Um, because when I've seen, beyond things like confidentiality and stuff like that, when I have seen a, a counselor or a social worker be unethical, and sometimes this got us in front of a court sometimes, is when they put their personal opinion and their personal biases into a group in a group setting. Um, as an effective helper and effective facilitator, we should never assume that that our path is the path that everyone should take. Okay, everyone has their own path. But when we, we don't examine ourselves, we will bias uh, groups towards our attitudes and our beliefs. And we run the risk of isolating some group members, okay? Um, maybe because we have a, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, um, I've seen it uh, uh, when I talk to uh, doing supervision with groups and I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll ask the facilitator, hey, I noticed you completely avoided uh, participant B, Ted, let's call him Ted, you totally avoided him. You tried to say something and you cut him off. The the facilitator uh, didn't notice that uh, they didn't realize that they were doing that, um, and
1: and um,
0: and after we talked about it, I said, okay, let's talk about this group member. And I said, what, what is it about them that you're feeling something or, or, or whatnot come to realize, uh, this particular group member actually reminded the, the, the counselor of someone she had a bad experience with. And even though it wasn't a conscious thing that she was doing unconsciously, uh, it was driving her to ignore and to kind of, uh kind of bulldozer anything that this participant said even though the counselor at the moment didn't even recognize that that's what she was doing at the time so um and 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 you know kind of going with what leanne is saying here too is part of our job as as effective helpers is to help our clients uh learn about their own biases and stuff and you can't do that if you haven't dealt with your own Okay, and I will tell you that I'm just going to press this, this, this more. The number one mistake that I have seen counselors make is not identifying their own biases. Um, I haven't been in front of a judge very often because of ethical unpractice on part of my supervisees or people I've supervised, but when I have. That's usually what the issue has come down to is is that person's biases uh, did harm to an individual and and you don't. Anyways, I'm going to kind of get off the railroad track or the soapbox on this topic, uh, so we can move on, but I do just really would encourage anybody, no matter where you're going in the helping fields you need to know who you are first before you can try and help someone else. So that's important to state. Um, okay, so I want to encourage you again to, to look at um, uh, uh, what profession you're entering. Um, and I strongly encourage you to look at the, the, the ethics code that is available to that. Um, I'm thinking next week, we'll do a little bit of a, a learning activities with ethics. So please review these over the next week because I'm thinking what we'll do maybe next Monday is we'll spend part of the class in, in, in uh, breakout rooms and I'll give you some ethical dilemmas and you as the, as the group can decide what you would do as a facilitator. So, and I'll post that video again, just in case anybody needs it. It's, it was a really basic video just to kind of get you thinking, but make sure you look at this during this week. And then on, on, on next Monday, we'll do a learning activity as a, as a class. Okay. What I need to know now, kind of going off of ethics and going into the type of treatment groups that we're going to be looking at is I need to kind of know uh, which kind of group you're most interested in. So in the chat, will you please put your, your number one choice and then your number two choice of what type of treatment group that you would like to focus on. Again, we're gonna be looking at addiction treatment. If you're going into the addiction field, just select that one. And then we. if you want to choose a specific addiction, we can go from there. Uh, People interested in post-traumatic stress, um, uh, trauma-informed type of um, uh, groups, uh, please select this one. Uh, We'll we'll talk about both combat PTSD treatment and non-combat PTSD treatment. Um, If you're going to become a general practitioner, a counselor, or someone who just wants to work with someone with mental illness, I would encourage you to choose a depression anxiety group. Um, and then of course, psychosocial groups, the ones we're gonna focus on because they're so popular is domestic violence survivor groups. Uh, but there, there's lots of psychoeducational groups. There's education about cancer, about, uh, um, um, <laughs> I just drew a blank, uh, about surviving this domestic violence, uh, sexual assault support groups, um, um, We'll leave 12 steps to the addiction, but it is in a sense a type of psychosocial group, uh, but we'll leave that one under addiction, but those are examples. And then survivor groups, so this is people who survived a natural disaster as an example, people who have cancer that's in remission, Um, so this is a type of survivor group. So those are the groups, so let's take a look at what we're doing here.
1: Okay, addiction, child welfare, good, okay, addiction, depression, all of them, all right. Addiction and hoarding, okay.
0: Okay, give me just a second, I'm going to make some quick notes, okay? So uh, take a quick uh, five-minute break.
1: All right, just made a few notes about what everybody wants is interested in. And. I have a question, too, Um, instead of it only being a. um, a Group about only like, you know, these hardships, could there be a group like um, youth leadership, something to that effect? you know, something, things that they see that has affected their community and trying to combat that um, as youth leaders?
0: Sure. So that would be considered. So, you know, when we talk about um, treatment groups, we're usually talking about treatment of something, right? In this case, uh, what it would be called is a preventative group, right? So you're more talking about prevention of something by developing youth leaders, right? Um, okay. And, and this would be considered uh, more of a psychosocial type of group. Uh, but the same, the same skills that you would use in a prevention group would be the same. Um, if you if 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 you were doing a treatment group, you still use those same skills. Uh, but yeah, that w- that's definitely um, um, one you can do. Um, why don't Winona, why don't I stick you under the psychosocial educational groups, and then you can explore okay. that some okay.
1: Okay, yeah, that's perfect. I just didn't know what it would be called. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I, I have you grouped. I think, yeah, I have you grouped. And so for the addictions group, which will be the breakout room number one, Uh, Let me do
1: this uh, one. It'll be Lorenzo,
0: Rose and Jamie. For the survivor group, it will be Tina and Leanne. For the psychosocial group, it'll be Myra and Winona. And then I needed to combine depression and PTSD. So the, the, it's going to be kind of a combined one. And it'll be Sophia and Marcilla. Am I missing anybody?
1: Uh, oh, I'm under which group? This is Rhonda.
0: Rhonda, um, you put addictions, didn't you? Yes. Okay, let's, let's keep you there. There we go. we'll put you there okay so uh uh, room breakout room one will be for the addictions folks breakout room will be our survivors uh number three will be psychosocial education and number four will be depression slash ptsd and what i would like you to do um is is so this will be for Wednesday, and we have about a half hour left in this class. Um, is what I would like you to do as a as a group is I want you to go find a basic definition of 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 what you're dealing with. So addiction. So for the addiction group, if you each have a different. Uh, uh, addiction, that would be fine. Just a real quick two, three sentence description of what the the disorder or the problem is. And then what I want you to do is search um, group. So addiction groups. Um, And what I actually, I want you to search this addiction groups, best practices. And then I want you to see what you come up with as far as recommendations from good sources about what the best practice for that particular type of group is, okay? What we will do on Wednesday is we'll use this as a primer to getting into a more in-depth conversation about the the, the ideology of addiction, um, uh, diagnostic criteria for PTSD, um, and all of those types of things. I will have to figure out Winona's because they wouldn't have a diagnosis, but she'll, she'll come up with something. Um, so that's what I kind of want you to do today is kind of discuss. So the, this, is, uh, this is what I would like to do. Um, so I'll go find the definition and I will look at best practices. Um, if it, in some of these other specialized groups, you know, like with the PTSD group, uh, Marcella. I would encourage you to take that on because that was what you wanted. And for the depression group, Sophia, um, I would I would do that one on, but kind of work together since um you guys are kind of loners in those two groups. Okay, so I am going to create the uh, breakout rooms. Does everybody understand what I'm looking for?
1: Um, I have a question on the survivor group and <clears throat> when you say def- define it, is it a certain thing uh, that uh, there's survivors of or just survivor in general.
0: I'm going to let you choose that, actually. Um, and so if, okay. if there's a specific survivor group that you're interested in, I want to encourage you to go and and and, um, you know, look at that. Does that make sense. Thank you. I have a question.
1: Also, yes. sorry. Uh, would you be able to write that either uh, so we can just know what we're looking for specifically so it's not just in our mind?
0: Yes, yes. I, I, I will put it in the chat and I'll send it as a message to each of the rooms. Okay. Good recommendation. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to break. So go choose the room that, that you belong in. Again, one is addiction, two is survivors, three is psycho... Uh, social education, and four is depression slash PTSD. So you got to choose the room that you belong in, and then go for it. Um, I, I'm I'm thinking that I'll give you all the rest of the class to do this to kind of organize with each other. Um, you know, this isn't like you know, don't work. This this is an informal conversation that we'll be having. So you, unless you motivated to, there doesn't need to be no. Um, PowerPoint or anything like that, okay? So I'm, I'm gonna write this again in the uh, room. So room one is addiction, two, survivor, three, cycle,
1: psycho- four, depression,
0: PTSD. All right, gang. Tina, when I hit create and it it will go live, it'll give you the option of what room to join. It should show up on your screen here in just a second. And then if you still Uh have problems, we can work through it once once we're open. Okay.
1: Okay, thank you.
0: All right, the rooms are open.
1: Nothing's showing up on my screen. Well, why? Let's
0: figure this out. Hold on just a sec. Let's see. Rose, is that you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me. Let me.
2: Poor Sophia is in a group all by herself.
0: Okay. So, Rose, you you are addictions, right? Yeah. Why is everybody in room one? Okay, there you
1: go. One room? Oh, I'm still here.